Good evening, Bards Nation. How is everybody doing tonight? This is, uh, well, at least on my time, it is Monday, February 20th. It is the 21st on the East Coast. Guys, this is Duncan McGregor from uh, Kilted Christian. I am going to be covering um, Fishers of Men um, while Scott is out of town um, on his little trip. And I will also be doing um, Bended Knee during the daytime. So I'll be doing that for the next uh, four days. So I am glad that I have the opportunity to be here with all of you. So guys, I hope you had an absolutely beautiful, beautiful day. Um, I love the opportunity to be able to fill in for Scott because like I said, there's just so much to talk about. He does such a phenomenal job, but uh, you know, a lot of people ask a lot of him and he's over um, talking to some people on the East Coast right now. He'll be flying back in and then going to another one this weekend and then he'll be back on uh, permanently for a while anyways um, from a piece be still on. So I will be covering him as he needs me and uh, always a pleasure to do so because I get to spend more time with all of you. So, boy, the world's crazy. It's getting crazier. Scott was talking earlier about, you know, the importance of not having fear and the importance of just letting go of all the evil um, emotions that the devil is trying to put into our lives nonstop over this time. So tonight, I'm going to kind of go over a little bit of what Scott was talking about earlier, about the importance of uh, fearing not, not being afraid. And I have a lot of scripture and stuff lined up, many, many examples. I'm not even going to get to even a quarter of what is in the scripture about fearing not and the importance of that, as we will discuss as well. So I also have a couple of things lined up, a couple of videos um, that I want to play for you just to kind of show both sides of what we're dealing with right now. Now, on a beautiful note, we're seeing a lot of people come to Christ. I'm seeing more videos on social media than I have ever seen before about people praying for others, people, you know, talking about the importance of that relationship with Christ Almighty, and it's a beautiful thing. But on the same note, we're also seeing a lot of the indoctrinated people who are talking um, trying to basically make scripture fit the way that they view it. And this is the problem. Is it scripture? Scripture. You can't go making it fall into the LGBT category, the, the gender bending category. It doesn't work that way. And I've got a couple of videos that are just going to blow your mind as much as my mind was blown when I first saw these as well. Um, so first, um, I'm going to actually want to go over something real quick with you guys. Um, this kind of off scripture, but also important. We know the importance of preparation. Scott has been very adamant about utilizing his show, um, you know, because there is hope in this world. We know there's some good things happening because if there's evil on this earth, there's good men that are doing good as well. And it's definitely the case. The problem is that the evil is what we see everywhere. We don't know the timing of things. We don't even know um, what's coming and when. But the importance of being prepared right now cannot be talked about enough. Preparing for food, water, your salvation, um, you know, getting closer to God, praying for everybody like that, absolutely important things. But one thing that we are dealing with that everyone's about to be dealing with as well is the economy. So I keep tracks on the economy and we know there's going to be an economy crash. It, it falls into the category where if there are white hats out there, they need to crash the economy as much as the black hats do just for different reasons. Obviously, um, the bad side wants to bring us into a central banking digital or central digital banking system, which is horrifying to all of us. The good side wants to change it to where we're backed on gold and silver and stuff like that. So like I said, it's in the benefit of both. Of all the things that we talk about, the one thing that I can guarantee you is that we will have an economy crash at some point. So Edward Dowd, he used to work for uh, BlackRock, the evil corporation BlackRock, which we've all talked about um, a lot on all of our shows. Um, anyways, Edward Dowd said today, the stock market is on razor's edge right now. I don't like to make predictions, but if I had to guess, the stock market is going to fall apart 
either the next week or the week after. So this man um, is one that I listen to more than a lot of people that try to predict what's going to be happening financially with the economy is because he's had his um, hands in all of this for a long time and he has a better view of things that we don't see. So when I start hearing people like Edward Dow coming out and saying within the next couple of weeks, I really start paying attention. So I know most of you probably already have some gardens growing. You probably have, you know, three to six months worth of food and water and so forth. Many of us are even prepping for others because a lot of people don't want to listen. You know, I, I'm very open in my neighborhood about not only um, spreading the truth about what's happening in this world, but also um, I'm very open about talking about Jesus, which is extremely important. Um a lot of my neighbors are starting to start asking questions about Jesus, which is awesome. Like I said, these are people that wouldn't talk about religion with me before, but they're starting to wake up and see what's happening. Um, but many of them are not prepared for what's coming. So like I said, I've purchased loads of extra bags of rice, beans, ramen noodles, just inexpensive things considering um, the way the prices are going up, just so that I have extras in case anyone else does need that kind of stuff. And I know that you guys will as well. So we need to be prepared. Um, but like I said, the most thing that we need to be prepared for right now is that spiritual war, praying to God, repenting for our sins and keeping our armor tippy top. It needs to be mended at all times, which comes with us repenting to God and pretend, re repenting to Christ for the mistakes that we make inevitably each day. God, when Jesus came to this earth, he was the only one that was born without sin. He didn't have to have the struggles that we do. As humans, we struggle with this every single day, which is why I am just more and more grateful to Jesus every day for sacrificing his life and giving us even a small chance of getting into heaven. But fortunately, by having that relationship with God, by accepting Christ into your heart, you have that shot at getting eternal salvation in heaven. Our job right now is just spreading this gospel as much as we can in hopes that other people find that. Because in, in the end times, we're going to have a revival. We're starting to see that in many cases right now, but we also need to use great, great discernment during these times as well. Because um, Scripture has warned us that even fake apostles will be popping up in our churches and misleading people, indoctrinating them. And we're starting to see this more and more. And I've got a couple of videos. Like I said, I... I as much as we see in this world, you figure we would be used to the chaos. We f you figure we would be used to it. But every now and then I still see a video that just makes me drop my jaw. I just can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe what I'm hearing. But this is the importance right now of us doing our job right now and spreading the true gospel. I have been called every all kinds of names. I've been called a fake Christian. I mean, you name it. And I'm sure many of you have as well. Does it matter? No. My granddad used to say to me, what other people think of me is none of my business. And I agree with him 100% on that. What matters to me is what God has to say. And like I said, if and we're, we're very careful, especially most of us that do these podcasts. Um, I have a prayer that I pray before every show that I do. Like, Heavenly Father, please let me speak your will and not my own. Because we get caught up in the human things and we need to keep our focus on the kingdom. And the last thing you want to do is to accidentally harm someone or mislead someone spiritually. Because when it comes to our time for judgment, whose blood is going to be on our hands? The, the blood of everyone that we misled. I mean, even if it is as simple as making someone feel uncomfortable in a church to where they don't want to come back. If you're responsible for that, you just set somebody back from finding that salvation because of, of your ignorance or something that we may have said that offended them or something like that. So we have to be very, very careful about doing so because we will be held accountable in the end for even harming anyone else's spiritual relationship with Christ. And 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the bad side of God by any means whatsoever. Um, a lot of people spend their time doing a lot of things because they want to be glorified. You know, they can't let go of the ego. We discussed that earlier in my show. Um, the ego is one of the biggest roadblocks that we have. We need to do everything in complete humility. And part of being humble is sharing what you have and sharing what you know with others. It is so important. Um, somebody told me years ago, they're like, you know, if you were to harm, if you were to harm someone, you're ultimately harming yourself because we are all God's children. If you help someone else, you are helping yourself. Once again, we are all God's children and we need to stay focused on that. Do things in a, in a loving way, not through hate. And I know that it's really difficult these days because we've had a lot of hate thrown against us. We see it every single day. Even our government is trying to declare us as domestic terrorists. Guys, we're not domestic terrorists. We are what God wants on this earth, spreading the word, doing good, trying to better ourselves and to help other people find what we have. Not through our words, because that's cheap. Talk is so cheap. We do it through our actions and actions inspire others to do the same thing. Let people see what you are capable of. Let people see what you do resembling your love for God. There's an old Taoist saying that I, I repeat a lot on my show is a man who knows doesn't say, and a man who says doesn't know. Well, a man who doesn't know has to spend a lot of time talking and trying to convince you that they know something that they really don't. But a man who knows doesn't have to say a word because everyone can see through their actions, the fruits they bear and what they do, who you truly are. And that's why actions are so much important. And we're, we're learning over and over again how, how cheap talk is. We see Lindsey Graham. I've got my term. I call it Lindsey Gramming. It's going to be a term in the dictionary one day. To Lindsey Graham means to give people false hope that never comes about. Sternly written letters. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Like I said, talk's cheap. They do the same exact thing every single time that an election comes up. You know, this the last couple of elections, the big one was, hey, we're going to forgive your college debt. And people kept falling for that. Talk is cheap. And the same people that fell for it these last two elections are going to fall for it again in this next election because they don't watch the fruits that these people bear. They just keep listening to the same banter, deceptive talk that we get nonstop. And we got to be better than that. You know, so we have to be here for each other. We have to, like I said, spread the gospel, talk to people, even if it's out just at a grocery store, talking about God. Because, look, some people are going to turn away. That's fine. You, you made your effort. You tried to make that conversation. But in my um, experience, when I talk to someone about God or I talk to someone about what's happening in this world, government and so forth, anywhere that I go in a store, convenience store, anything, I'll have one person that starts to listen. And then all of a sudden I'll look up and I'll notice that there's three or four other people standing around and listening. And you never know that what you said at that moment, talking about God, showing them your love, could be contagious. Those people could end up very well being the ones that wake up other people in the future. You don't know. And that's the beauty is that we don't know how far our reach goes. Every thread that you put out, every word that you say to somebody, you never know how far it goes. So you think you may have just inspired one person to find God, one person to do the right thing. But once they find that spirit and that relationship with God, then they go out and they start working the same way we are, spreading that gospel, spreading the love of God, spreading what we have. And for all we know, by the time that you leave this earth, you could have inspired 100,000 people by the one person that you woke up. And that is a beautiful thing. On my show, um, we did one about three or four weeks back. It was on Brothers in the Bible on the weekend. We discussed um, my brother Jeff's um, mother-in-law, or excuse me, grandmother-in-law who passed away. And he told a story about how committed she was to church. 
the um the inspiration that she gave not only them but other christians to be the best christians they could possibly be this woman spent four hours a day in prayer in her room she told her family look this room is off limits i'm here with god for the next four hours that is commitment every single day but here's the beauty of this i didn't know her i had never had the chance of meeting her but i got to hear her story and even after her soul has left this earth and, and ventured into heaven, I promise you she's in heaven. Even after that, not knowing who she was, her story inspired me more than I could ever tell you. And I've told other people that same story, and they've been inspired by her works while she was here on this earth. So even after she is no longer here on this earth, the fruits that she bared while she was here are still an inspiration to not only those that she knew, but to those that she did not know. And this is the power that God gives to us by being able to inform people, to help um, let them see under that veil, to bring them closer to God. We never know the impact that we have. And that is a beautiful thing. We don't do it because we want the glory. No, we just want our names to be written in that book of life. That's, that's what we're trying to achieve right now. We do it because we want to inspire and help other people to find what we have hopefully found in our lives. And I'm by no means a perfect Christian or a perfect person. But I can tell you guys, the one promise that I can make you is that I will be better tomorrow than I was today. And this is, our, this is us as humans. We have to humble ourselves. We have to admit that we are not perfect. All of us are sinners, every single one of them. And anyone who ever tells you that they are sin-free, they're lying. And they're not a good Christian. We have all made mistakes. We have all sinned. The only reason we have a chance to get into heaven is through Christ. So I have this video lined up, and this is one thing that I find to be important, discernment. And we discussed this last Friday, the importance of discernment and why we need this more than ever right now. It's because we're dealing with evil everywhere in this world, and it's hard to tell who our allies are. It's really hard to tell who our enemies are because our enemies play a really good game of pretending to be on your side, making promises that they don't deliver. It's like this in every country around the entire world. But when we're dealing with religion specifically, when we're dealing with our faith, it becomes even harder to tell who the enemy is because you don't expect your enemy to be preaching to you at a church. We don't expect an enemy to be creating revivals around the country. We need to ask questions. Um, we need to test prophecy. You know, not question it. We know what's in, in Scripture is, is in Scripture. But the thing is, is when people come out and trying to claim that they are prophets and so forth, we need to test that. Um, so I have this video that I'm going to play for you real quick. It's about five minutes long. And it's a guy who is actually discussing the, um, the revivals that are taking place right here um, all over our country. And he's being very cautious about it. And he's asking eight questions that we should always ask. Whenever we're seeing anything scriptural or religious or for God take place so that we know that it is truly about God and not trying to mislead us or indoctrinate us. And this guy is discussing what's taking place right now at the multiple churches that are holding these revivals. What do we do with the Asbury Revival? Before you think I'm just being a theological wet blanket, consider 1 Thessalonians 5. We are commanded to do two things when we see something like what is going on in Wilmore, Kentucky. One, don't quench the spirit, but we are commanded to test all prophecies. So let's do that with the Asbury Revival. Revival. Here are the facts. Number one, 
by their own account, Asbury University has seen at least eight revivals since the university was founded in 1890. I think it's fair to wonder why this university seems to be favored by the Holy Spirit so regularly. Is it because the Spirit is moving, or we have to ask, is it simply being manipulative? Just asking, it is strange. Why don't we see a regular revival anywhere else but this particular university? Number two, Asbury University. It is a part of what is known as the Wesleyan Holiness Movement. Now, Wesleyans and Methodist brothers and sisters are Orthodox believers, but this particular branch does not usually preach very forcefully on sin, judgment, wrath, and the need for repentance. And the presence of those ideas, it's kind of necessary for actual revival to take place. And those who visited Asbury, like Spencer Smith, Elisa Childers, they observed they didn't hear the gospel proclaimed once. Now, even if it has been preached, occasionally the centerpiece of a true revival is the gospel. We must ask, where is it at Asbury? Number three, when the following people endorse something, <laughs> we should ask why. Todd Bentley, Todd Bam Bam, Bam Bam Bam, Bam. Bentley, Sean Foyt of Bethel Church, Shane Claiborne, the emergent. Now, this isn't definitive, but it is noteworthy, as I suspect this cast of characters would not attend a Ligonier R.C. Sproul revival and endorse it. These are just the facts, ma'am. Number four, other Christian universities are now saying we're experiencing similar revivals, but there's no reports of revival on secular campuses. Why is it just breaking out at private Christian schools? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit seem to be falling on more theologically conservative schools? I'm just asking the questions that I think that we need to ask to make a biblical assessment and test all prophecies. Number five, I think we have a little definitional confusion. What is a revival if we don't pinpoint exactly what we think is happening at Asbury? I think it's going to cause some confusion. So I think there are basically two types of revival. An individual or a church can be revived. They're fed truth. They're fired up to walk in holiness. It's an individual reviving, encouraging. But the second type of revival, and I think this is the definition that most of us have in mind, is that this is a big outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lots of people are getting saved. So what do we call what's happening at the Asbury Revival? It looks like some students are being encouraged, but we have not seen reports of people getting saved. Furthermore, revival grows outward. People are flying in to experience revival. Christians are flying in to be a part of it. Revival, as we think about it, like the Great Awakening revival, it goes out. People are getting saved, and then they go tell other people about what they have seen and heard. 
It doesn't seem that that is happening at Asbury. So on the one hand, we can call it perhaps an individual revival where some are encouraged. But should we be calling it a third great awakening revival? See, now, I don't agree with everything that he's saying about this instance, but I do agree with him in the fact that we need to pay attention and ask questions. It's the same way when it comes to... um, anybody invoking God when they talk up at the podium on any political event. Um, God is a very generic term. God can be referred to as any God. Satan is referred to as God by the believers as Satan. I listen specifically for the words Jesus, and I listen for that gospel and that kind of things. And I'm not saying that he's right about this particular instance, but he is right as far as paying attention and asking questions because we have realized, um, or I've definitely realized, I've been to many churches, but I live in a very, very liberal area. And the churches that we get around here are like this. And guys, this is one of the videos that I was going to tell you about. So, uh, yeah, hold your caps on. Are there trans people in the Bible? Yeah. Does it say they're going to hell? No. Jesus actually lifts up gender queer people as model disciples. Really? Yeah. Matthew 19, 12. There are eunuchs who are born that way, some who are made eunuchs by others, and some who will become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And eunuchs are castrated men. Short answer, yes. But being a eunuch is not the same as being trans. Trans can mean a lot of things. But here's how this passage affirms gender queer, trans, gender nonconforming, and intersex people. Go on. First, it says some people are born eunuchs. Jesus affirms there can be more than just male or female at birth. Then Jesus says some will become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, some people who are assigned male at birth will later choose a different gender identification as part of their work of following God. Couldn't it be symbolic? I thought this was about priests being celibate. Priests didn't have to be celibate until the 1100s. Also, a lot of eunuchs could and did still have sexual relationships. They just couldn't procreate. Weren't they also outcast? Yes, while some eunuchs had high power jobs in the royal courts, they also faced a lot of discrimination. So it's notable when a Christian Philip runs into an Ethiopian eunuch along the road and the eunuch says, what is there to prevent me from being baptized? Philip doesn't say, well, you can't be a Christian because you don't fit the gender binary. Philip stops the chariot, goes down to the water, and baptizes them. So if people don't fit the binary, whether they're born that way or they even choose that later in life, they're cool with Jesus. They're not just cool with him. They're celebrated as models of discipleship. Yeah, I'm with you, Remnant. I'm about to start flipping tables. So this is the scary part. This woman is a preacher at a church. And if you heard what she said, they are literally manipulating scripture to fit what they want. And a eunuch were generally castrated when they were younger, and it wasn't a decision that they made, unlike gender change. Um, many of these, uh, the eunuchs that they were referring to were also ended up in the churches as priests or something like that. And it wasn't until way later that you weren't allowed to have um, carnal interaction with a wife or something like that. It wasn't until like the 1100s that this happened. But what she's saying right here is that in scripture, it verifies that that there are more than two genders. And like I said, this is the big problem that we have and the importance of reading scripture yourself. You know, I'm not saying, you know, I definitely say go to church. If you guys have a wonderful church that you trust, amazing. Um, I don't have too many of them around where I live because I, like I said, I live in a very liberal area. And for the most part, this is the kind of preachers that we get around here. Um, I had a church that I did really enjoy going to that was right down the road from where I live. And, um, one weekend I was in there listening to him talk about, um, and he was very, very nice about it, the way that he did it. He, he was explaining that homosexuality was wrong according to scripture. And then he, he ended it with saying, listen, I, I don't want you guys to leave. I want you guys to stay 
um, in my church. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm not saying that you don't belong here in the church, but he was given his opinion. So the next weekend I went back and they had fired him and replaced him with a, a preacher that came out of Austin who was extremely liberal. And the church almost instantly changed overnight because of that replacement. And many of the churches that we go to right now, sadly, um, especially the, the the big ones, the super, the mega churches that, that we see are all about making money. They don't talk about um, the importance of repenting. They don't talk about sin like they should. They don't talk about how real the devil is and, and what the devil's trying to do here on this earth. Um, they rarely talk about Jesus. They they more on the lines of telling you, listen, if you want to be a good Christian, if you are a good Christian, then this is how you focus on receiving the better house, receiving the better car. Um, Osteen over here in Houston um, is a great example of one of those preachers that literally gets up and he starts preaching things that aren't necessarily of the gospel. And that's why I always say, you know, and, and my brother Jeff says this often to me, the importance of reading scripture yourself and understanding it. Now, it is important to have a church or a community, but we are finding other options right now because many of these churches are getting um, tainted. And we were warned in scripture that this would happen, that we would come to a day where the electors would turn against us. We would have the fake apostles in the church. We would have people that were trying to deceive us using God's holy temples. Even Jesus himself walked into a temple, saw what was taking place and started whipping people and flipping those tables. And this is where we need to be. At the very least, don't stay in a church that is trying to preach against gospel. They should be talking about Jesus and more than ever, they should be talking about the importance of getting your life and your heart accepting Christ because we don't have much time. You know, at the very least, we don't know how much time we individually have on this earth because God promised you and me today, but he did not promise us tomorrow. So if we wake up and we have another day, that is by the grace of God. And we are very, very lucky. And we need to utilize this time while we are here. But the scary part, like I said, is those people that are, that are trying to find God, those people that are that are coming to Christ, that are looking in Scripture and ending up in a church that ends up being a very deceptive church. And it's hard to notice, especially when you're someone who is new in the Scripture. A lot of the people that have been reading the Bible their whole lives can walk into a church and tell instantaneously, this is not the place that we need to be. And I'm hoping, you know, we're going to see more smaller churches open up again instead of these really big ones. Because I missed the day of the, the intimate church where you walked in and you knew everybody Generally, everybody sat in the same place. There weren't like seven or 800 plus people, cameras. It, it, church has almost become an industry. And in certain ways, I do appreciate it because they are giving it a chance to go out online so that people can that can't don't have a car or can't make it to church can actually watch it on, on their uh, TV or their internet at home. Um, we also have uh, places like this podcast right here, uh, Fishers of Men. Um, Peace Be Still, many, 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 many other podcasts, uh, you know, the official Godcast that are utilizing their platforms to speak of God, to talk about scripture, to talk about the troubles that we're going through, to help people find that relationship with Christ. And this is the great thing, though, is that we have a new option now. It doesn't have to be in a temple because church is what? Two or more people gathering and, and discussing Christ or, or gathering in the Lord's name. It doesn't have to be this fancy building with a cross and a, and a bell on it. It could literally be the couch in your own home, as long as you are having a great conversation about Scripture and about Christ. This is what church is about. This is why that prayer is so powerful. You know, and now 
we have taken our enemy's weapon, the internet being the greatest weapon the enemy ever had because it controls information. But we have a chance now to utilize this and to spread that word of Christ, to spread that word of God, as long as we're not booted off the platforms. And I've been booted off of YouTube for politics. I've been booted off of YouTube for um, talking about God. So we are even being removed from a lot of these platforms. And that's why I'm really thankful right now for Podbean because they've been pretty good about letting us discuss not only politics, but more importantly, scripture without giving us any demerits or anything like that, which I saw quite frequently when I was over doing a video cast on YouTube. So I've got a couple of uh, things that I found some pretty great prayers. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm just so happy that I'm running across these things more and more and more because people are finding the value in utilizing social media, utilizing different platforms to discuss Christ. And uh, this is a great part where we are right now. So first off, I'm going to play a video of the dangers right now of what we're dealing with. And this is uh, uh, Ben Shapiro when he is asked about Jesus. Listen to this. Rogan asked Ben Shapiro about Jesus. Listen to this. The Jewish point of view, we don't believe in the divinity of Christ. And right. that there he can make an argument that the the Gospels, which were written. He was just a prophet. And, right? Significant. No, no, no. We don't I even just, believe he was a prophet. What do you think he was? What do you guys I, think? I, I mean, I, what, I, what do I think he was historically? I think he was a Jew who tried to lead a revolt against the Romans and got killed for his trouble. Just like a lot. This is one of the worst takes. The Bible says in John 1, 1, Jesus is God. John 1, 41 says he's the Messiah. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says he's the Savior. John 1, 1 also says he's the Word of God. John 6, 35 says he's the bread of life. John 8, 12 says he's the light of the world. John 10, 11 says he's the good shepherd. John 14, 6 says he's the way, the truth, and the life. John 11, 25 says he's the resurrection and the life. And Revelation 19, 16 says Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is a terrible take by Ben Shapiro, who denies the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is God. You know, so I'm glad that I'm seeing more and more of that. That's that's the thing, you know, when I was, I was kind of looking in, yeah, he's also vaxxed, exactly. Um, you know, I was, and, and a lot of these people, they came out and they're not even standing up for what they said. You know what I'm saying? Like, like guys, be careful. I'm sorry. I made the wrong decision by telling you to go get backs. Like many of these people did once again, misleading us. But once, you know, their view on Christ is that he was nothing more than a troublemaker, a Jewish troublemaker causing problems in Rome. Summed it up. That's what he just said. Um, this is unbelievable because every, at, at least the, the Muslim Islamic religion looked at Jesus as a prophet. You know, they, they looked at him. He, he wasn't one of the lower people. He was held in high regard. He just wasn't looked at as the king of kings, which he is, and we know that. But um, this is what we're facing right now. We, As many people that are coming to Christ, and I, and I think I talked about this earlier on Bended Knee, um, a statistic that I saw, number one most persecuted religion in the entire world, Christians. However, the number one fastest growing religion in the entire world, Christianity. So regardless that people are um, seeing how badly we're being persecuted, trying to call us domestic terrorists, throwing Christians into the same category that they throw Nazis into, people are still coming to Christ regardless of that. And I think part of it is once you see the enemy, the people that we know we can't trust, the people that we know we don't want to listen to, those are the ones who are telling us um, that this isn't the case. So when these evil people start coming after Christianity as hard as they can, all it does is verify and strengthen my faith. And I'm sure that most of you are the same exact way because they wouldn't have a problem 
if we weren't a target, if we weren't a problem to them, they would not be trying to get rid of Christians as much as they are, which is why we have to just call on our Lord Almighty and ask for that strength constantly. Keep our armor mended and ask for discernment so that we don't get caught up because the deception is going to get worse and worse and worse. And these are just the, the words. These are just the information and the indoctrination they're putting out there. I'm not even talking about blue beam holograms and all these other crazy illusions that we're really going to, I mean, we'll be looking at. And a lot of people are going to fall for this. And in, in scripture and Matthew would even talk about, there'd be a point where, um, that hearts would turn cold that, you know, many, there'd be a lot of lukewarm Christians. There would be people that turn their back on Christ. And I asked myself, how is that possible? Now it's starting to make more sense because you see how effective their indoctrination, how effective, how, it is all around from from mainstream media to what they're putting out on social media. Now we're dealing with artificial intelligence that are putting things out there. So it's becoming harder and harder and harder to understand what's good and what's bad, which is why I say pray for discernment every single day. So I've got a couple of, of really good ones, too, that I'm going to play for you right here. This one is Jesus Christ knows everything about you. In Matthew 15, 21 through 28, a Canaanite woman approaches Jesus and says, Lord, help me, my daughter is sick. And Jesus said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And that's when she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus replied, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. At first, you might think that this story is slightly cruel. Jesus is showing his mercy. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Lazarus was a poor, unfortunate man who laid at the entrance of the rich man's house. He hoped to eat what fell from the rich man's table, but the rich man never showed mercy to this old man. In the worldly lens, Lazarus was viewed as a dog. He was low in status. Our God, Jesus Christ, is the richest of them all and showed his mercy to an enemy, to a Canaanite woman, to someone that's viewed as a dog. We were an enemy of God. He had every right to withhold the bread from us, to not even give us the crumbs, but he gave us the whole loaf. It tells us those who are low will be exalted. You might be viewed as a Lazarus in this world or like the Canaanite woman, an enemy, but don't let the way the world views you hold you back from entering God's love. God wants you as you are right now. You don't need to get perfect. See, Jesus said, I came to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman didn't run away. She didn't say, no, nah, I'm not a sheep. Let me turn into a sheep and come back acknowledged who she was yeah i'm a dog but i still need you yeah i'm a sinner but i need you today surrender to the lord so that he could show you who he is and so that you could know who you are in christ and amen to that we we're we are lazarus of today we we are the dogs that the elite look down upon they think that we're less than them but here's the thing they may have all the gold in the world they may have all the diamonds they may have all the silver they may have all the real estate that they can have that they could possibly afford but we are the rich ones because true wealth comes from that relationship with Christ, that spiritual connection that you have with our Lord Almighty. And none of this stuff on this earth makes a matter whatsoever. So they can look at us as dogs all that they want to and throw the breadcrumbs to us. And that's what they're trying to do. But we're God's children. And God's going to take care of us until the very, very end. And we're going to be facing some difficult decisions up in the future. You know, I'm not sure when the rapture comes. A lot of people believe that it's uh, pre-trib. Some believe that it's a post-trib. We don't know when God's coming back. He was very specific about that, like a thief in the night. Jesus doesn't even know the time that he's coming back. He'll be told. You know, so we need to prepare for that, and we need to be prepared right now. We need to do everything that we can, and we need to just remember and put all of our faith in God's hands. That's the importance of faith. 
is knowing that God's going to take care of us. Because when it comes time to take the uh, central banking digital system, when it comes time to take in that chip, we are aware of this. We saw what was happening when the masks were being, people were told to put those masks on. We definitely knew what was happening when they started putting these vaccinations out. We were awake and we can thank the Lord Almighty for the discernment that he gave us that kept us away from this, that kept a lot of other people away from it too, because we didn't cower down. We weren't shy about talking about this stuff where a lot of other people were absolutely horrified to mention it because they didn't want to be ostracized. They didn't want to be fired. They didn't want to be kicked out of their little clique of their little community. None of that matters. You know, the people that stood firm and that were being honest and telling people about the danger of this those are the ones that, that had the faith in Christ. And I told you um, on one of my other shows, I may have talked about it on one of the shows here, back when this whole thing first started, um, especially when the vaccine, the vaccine came out, one of my big questions that I had was, what is the big difference between those that got vaccinated and those that did not get vaccinated? So I started asking questions and doing some, uh, some of those little vote things on Twitter. And I found out that the majority of the people that denied the vaccines had one thing in common. They were Christians. They had faith that God gave them everything that they needed to get through these times, and they weren't going to take some experimental vaccination, whatever they call it. it certainly wasn't a vaccine, but they didn't want to take some experimental science project to be put into their body. And we are now seeing the results of that, which are going to get worse and worse as we go on. But you can be thankful for yourselves, you know, that the Lord Almighty and thank God that he gave us a discernment. So like I said, we kept ourselves safe. We tried to keep our families and many other people, that um, friends and other people, strangers even, that did not get these vaccinations because all of you had the courage to talk about it. And it's the same exact thing when it comes to God and that relationship with God. We can't be afraid to talk about it. We were warned that we were going to be persecuted. Christ was thrown up on a cross and murdered. We were all warned that this was going to happen. And we need to have that courage that God gave us, that, that Jesus bestowed upon us so that we can work through these times with the faith of God, not having any fear whatsoever. So, um, and there's a load of, of scripture that covers this particular topic right here. And that would be um, the fear not. So I'm just going to read a couple of these, uh, these things in scripture. And like I said, I could go on and on and on with this because there's like 300 times that this is mentioned. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Timothy or 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Psalm 34.4. Um, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Psalms 27, one of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom I shall not, or who I shall I be, or who shall I be afraid? Nobody. When you've got God that is watching over you. One John four eighteen. there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And that's also very important. They, God wanted us to love. He wanted us to laugh. He wanted us to experience joy. 
you know, pain does come with this, but pain strengthens us so that we can tackle the things that we're going through right now. As the world gets chaotic, all those trials, all those tribulations that we not only went through in our life, but we endured, we worked our way past, past, past that point. This is where we are now. We are now stronger and we are more capable on a spiritual battlefield than we were before we suffered or not even suffered. I want to say endured because endured um, is a little more positive than suffering because I don't look at it as suffering. I look at the strength and those, those trials and tribulations that we get is what makes us better. And like I said, more efficient on the battleground that we're going to be walking into. So Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. When God sends us on a mission, God's not just sending us there and he's not going to be waiting for us at the finish line. When God sends us on a mission, he's there from the start. He's sitting next to us as we complete our mission and he's there at the end of the mission. He's watching over us and he will never ever send us on any mission, any journey in our lives that we're not going to complete. He wouldn't do that. That's the beauty of the Lord and having faith within that. Hence, fear not. Um, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helped you. Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And that's the beauty of that too, is that what can man do to you? Man can, can put lesions in your skin, but there's nothing man can do to your soul, especially because God is the owner of your soul. God gave us these bodies just to get around on this earth, but God, our souls belong to our heavenly father. And we gave them back to him in a promise. When we accepted Christ into our heart, we made it sure to know that we are here because of you. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. The, the, what we have that's beautiful on this earth is because of you. And even those hardships that we face in our life came from you to make us better people. And we can never, ever forget that. 1 Peter 3.14 But even if you shall suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Deuteronomy 31.8 It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The fear of man, or excuse me, this is Proverbs 29.25 The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in my Lord is safe. Matthew 10.28 and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and the body in hell. God really went, I mean, scripture went overboard, not, not overboard, but there was a reason that they mentioned fear not, do not fear, be not afraid, feel safe over and over and over again. And that is because the devil utilizes fear. And we have seen this more and more as we go through. What is the easiest way to control people? It's fear. And we watched how many people panicked when this uh, COVID thing popped out. We saw people freak out. Everyone was scared. People didn't want to leave their house. Only those people that had that true relationship with God, we never worried about it. And I think maybe we all ended up with whatever this thing was at some point, but we're all still here. I had uh, whatever it was that was going around. I don't know if it was COVID or not, but I had it. 
I got over it in three days. Haven't had a problem since. My mother, who was in her 80s, she had it. She got over it in about a week and a half. Never had it since. Like I said, our immune system built up. That beautiful immune system that the God that God gave us and doesn't want us relying on witchcraft or we just call it science these days. I had discussed at another time that witchcraft, evil, spell casting, all of these things were so common, but people started to recognize it. And they knew that that power, that whatever it was, was not coming from Christ. It was coming from ego. It was coming from demons. It was coming from the devil. So what did they do? The devil's not stupid. He's been here forever. No one on this earth knows scripture better than Satan himself. He knows it. So he utilizes it against us. And one of the biggest things he does is he creates fear. He creates that panic within us because it's easy to control people with fear. But if you have that trust in God, you know, the worst case scenario, we get removed from this earth. But that just means we're going home. It's not a bad thing. And that's why, like I said, every day I wake up and I thank God for giving me that extra day. And then I ask God, what can I do for you? A, first and foremost, what can I do to better myself? Work with me because it's the same thing with anything. You can't help or heal other people unless you are helped and healed yourself. So first, you've got to work on yourself. You've got to get that relationship built up. You've got to build that strength in the, in the Lord Almighty personally. And then you can go out and you can start helping other people by spreading that gospel. But one thing that I've learned over the years is I thought that, you know, it was almost wrong for your common person to get up and preach scripture, that it should be a preacher. It should have been someone who was educated and knows the Bible inside and out. But one thing that I really came to realize is what an impact your average person has who is finding scripture, who is working through that scripture for the first time themselves, because there's a power to their story. There's um, a, a kind of a joyful youthfulness and excitement as somebody discovers scripture, discovers verses, and starts to understand how this all works into our lives. So they have a power themselves. And as long as they're not misleading, like I said, you know, opinions are one thing, and I've even discussed the dangers of theology in general, because theology kind of walks away from Scripture sometimes, because, you know, you hand 10 people one Scripture, one verse, and they're going to have 10 different perspectives of it. And that's where theology kind of takes you off. And 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 it's not wrong to, to, to read theology. You know, I enjoy reading um, things on like Enoch. I like reading the Apocrypha. But I would never venture into any of those um, those scriptures that lie outside, or those excuse me, those writings that lie outside of scripture until I had my feet firmly planted in the kingdom first, because you have to have that firm, deep understanding of the Bible, um, so that you're not misled. Because it is easy. Because there's we're very inquisitive people. We have a lot of questions, and you know, one day I would love to know the shape of the earth. One day, I would love to know everything that there ever was about angels and how this all started. I would love to know the whole history of this earth. But none of that matters right now. And we'll get those answers in God's time. He'll hand us those answers if we need to. If not, it's not any sweat off of our brow. Because the important thing is that we have that connection with Christ. That we have that personal relationship and we do what we can to help them. All the other stuff is just intriguing. But like I said, is it's often hard um, sometimes when you veer out of Scripture to get caught into some pretty deep rabbit holes that don't necessarily fit in the Scripture, which is why it's really important, I feel, to, to come onto these shows like this and to have these conversations because we get a chance to, to say what, our, what, what we feel, how we may have, have discovered a verse or what, how we perceived it, 
And then we get other people's perspectives as well, which helps us all kind of come to, you know, an understanding as to what it really, really is. And I love that opportunity to be able to come together and, and this little church, because this is basically what this is, you know, coming to on Fishers of Men Every Night, Kilted Christian, on Brothers in the Bible. It's basically like a little church, um, us gathering and having that conversation about Jesus and about God. And then coming up with methods, methods, better methods that we have so we can reach um, a larger audience, a larger group of people, and hope that they can find that same thing that we have. Um, we had some uh, kids that came to my door over the last couple of weeks. And what they were doing was, uh, you know, going door to door for their church. I believe it was the Latter-day Saints of Christ. And uh, they were saying, hey, would you like to come check out our church? Well, they came to my door, and we ended up just having this really deep discussion. I almost ended up being like a little preacher on my porch. Ended up making a couple of new great friends. And their church reached out to me while I was doing Brothers in the Bible last night and asked me if I would come speak at their church and do um, a seminar on how to podcast so that they could start um, utilizing the, their congregation to go out and do these podcasts. And that was that was awesome. Like I said, it's one little step at a time. And even some of these churches that wouldn't normally deal with technology realize what a valuable tool it can be when you're using it in, in the Lord's name. So. Let me see, guys. So it's 11.50. I'm going to go ahead and uh, end in a little prayer, and then I'm going to bring you guys about an hour worth of music for those of you that just aren't ready to go to uh, that aren't ready to go to bed yet. And Brian Lunsford, I don't think they were Mormons. I asked them, and they didn't, but they they had a lot of Mormon characteristics except they were all about Christ. Um, that was the name they mentioned over and over again was Jesus, 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 which is awesome. And any conversations that I've had in the past with some of my Mormon friends, Jesus wasn't part of the conversation. So I'm not exactly sure what the church was, but I know that they were very, that it were all about Jesus. So everybody, if you would please bow your heads, we will end in a little prayer before we get into some music. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for all the opportunities that you give us each day. Thank you for giving us this extra day, dear Lord. And I ask, you know, if you see so fit that you give us a day tomorrow so that we can utilize this time on this earth to do things, not not for ourselves, but things that are greater than ourselves, things that are in your, your heavenly name. Dear Lord, we have been lucky to find you. Some of us were lucky enough to find you at the beginning of our lives. Some of us were stubborn like myself, but you had patience with me that whole time. And you sent angels into my life, which directed me to cleaning myself from drugs, to becoming a better person, to getting closer to you. Dear Lord, everyone has the ability to be saved through you. And I thank you for having that patience with me. But I also ask that you give us all the patience with others. Dear Lord, let us never forget how our lives were and how it, what it took for us to get that relationship with you. Let us never forget that, dear Lord, so that we can talk to other people with that same calmness and understanding that one day they will have what we have found. Some of us found it to the glory of Jesus. Some of us found Jesus when we realized how real the devil was. But nonetheless, dear Lord, you work into each one of our lives and you bring us to you in the way that you know needs to, whether it be scaring us, whether it be praising us, whether it be just giving us that love and us finding you through a church. Dear Lord, you work on all of us individually because you know every hair on our body. You know every hair on our head. You know every single thing about us. You knew us before we were in our mother's womb. Heavenly Father, I thank you for picking us all, every one of us, to be here at this time. And I know, dear Lord, many of us complain about the chaos that's going on. But dear Lord, I want to thank you 
for letting us endure it, for letting us be the ones that are strong enough to be here at this moment fighting with you and for you. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for giving us that renewed strength every day, for the courage that you give us every day, for the discernment that allows us to understand what's happening in this world, dear Lord, so that we may be better off to help other people find what we have. Dear Lord, we pay attention and we 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 prioritize the wrong things. We need to prioritize you before anything else. Begin our day with you, end our day with you. We need to pray multiple times during the day, not just for ourselves, dear Lord, but in thanks for all that you have given us and pray for all those other people and in the hopes, dear Lord, that you can lead us to that one person that needs you, that we can lead them to you so that they can have that chance at salvation as we have, dear Lord. But none of us are perfect. We are all fallible. We are all sinners, dear Lord. So I thank you for hanging in there with us, for giving us the opportunity to get to heaven, for giving us the, the chance every single day to become better people, to sin less than we were before, to let go of the human side, to forget the flesh, and to start paying attention to the spirit and the kingdom. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for bringing all of these people and these friends together, this family, every night. We're all we're, we're united by the blood of Christ, dear Lord, and there's no more powerful relationship than that. So, dear Lord, even as we disagree with each other sometimes, dear Lord, let us have our minds open to where we can carry on a discussion and not be mad. The devil wants to divide us, dear Lord, and he wants to divide us even within the Christian community. We can't let that happen, dear Lord, so please give us the strength. Please take the evil and the temptations and the sin out of our hands, dear Lord, and take this from us. Take the, the weight that the world tries to put and burden us with every single day. Please, dear Lord, take it into your hands and spread your glory all through us, dear Lord, so that we can head forward and do the best that we can during the time that you have given us on this earth. Let us all fight, dear Lord. Spread your word, spread the gospel, and be willing to fight for you until the day that our feet leave this soil. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name I pray. Amen. Well, everybody, I want to thank you so much for joining us, uh, Fishers of Men, this evening. Um, Scott will be back here, here and there. Um, right now, we just had a, another little meeting tonight and during the day, so he'll be more than likely doing a ben, or excuse me, doing a Bards FM, and then we'll be alternating for Fishers of Men. So I thank you so much for being so open armed and welcoming to me. I, I know. There's no voice in this world that is quite like Scott. He is so motivational. He's got the spirit of the Lord in him. And uh, I'm just grateful that he gives me the opportunity to sub in for him. And more so thankful for you guys for being so accommodating and so loving towards me. Because Scott's got some big shoes to fill, guys. That is without doubt. But I want to thank you so much. I will be back tomorrow for uh, Bended Knee. And then I will more than likely be back for Fishers of Men tomorrow evening. But make sure that you go and check out all these wonderful podcasts that are popping up within Bards Nation. Punky Puster's show. Nikki, who did a show earlier. Conley, who does a daily show. Maga Q and uh, Kitty 2, who are doing their show together. The official Godcast. And on and on and on. There are so many beautiful podcasts of people who are spreading the love of Christ in their own unique, different ways. And I, for one, am very, very thankful. So everyone, have an absolutely beautiful night. Kick off your shoes, relax a little bit, avoid the news. We will bring it to you tomorrow because it's going to get a little bit more chaotic as we move forward in these weeks. But we are prepared. Fear not. We know the end of this story. And that is God wins. Guys, I love you very, very much. I will see you tomorrow evening. And have a beautiful evening. God bless.
fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Sits down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world's too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this face. When your soul ends, it's cause far away. You 
On the 4th of July It's some handwritten letters from home It's some sleepless nights alone It's his newborn baby he left with his wife Mr. Red, White, and Blue Lay down his life Mr. Red, White, and Blue For these stars and stripes Hey Swamps of Louisiana to the golden coast of California. Uncle Sam's the only family he's got. His purple heartbeat won't stop. And his 18th birthday was the day he was born.
marching line, marching line. Desire, 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 
It makes sense that it should happen this way. That the sky should break and the earth should shake, as if to say, sure it all matters, but in such an unimportant way, as if to say, hey. hey, hey. Fly away, sweet bird of prey. Fly, fly away. Nothing can stand in your way, sweet bird. If you knew the words, I know that you'd say, fly, fly away. Sense that it should hurt in this way, that my heart should break and my hands should shake, as if to say, sure it don't matter except in the most important way, as if to say, hey. hey Fly away, sweet bird of prey. Fly, fly away. I won't stand in your way, sweet bird. If you knew the words, I know that you'd say, fly, fly. That it should feel this way, that you slowly fade and yet still remain, as if to say everything matters in such an invisible way, as if to say. It's okay. Fly away.